0: The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. So there I was, the smell of smoke, the smell of burnt rubber, sounds of screaming was everywhere. Moments before this, A group of us were heading home after a spiritual retreat when the back right tire of our 15 passenger shuttle, it blew out and it flipped the shuttle three times. I remember that day like it was yesterday because that was probably one of my most weakest moments in my entire life. And I felt like the only power that I had enough strength for was to scream the name Jesus. And I closed my eyes like a little kid and I tucked my head and, and, and just held on tight until the bus stopped rolling. And finally, when the shuttle had settled, I remember getting up and I, I remember screaming for my friend that was sitting next to me, Phil, Phil, Phil. Phil was like my little brother. And I remember telling his mom, I'm going to watch out for him. And I couldn't find Phil, and so I climbed up out of the shuttle, and there Phil was. He, was. he was lying there next to the bus, and what I did not know was that every time that the bus had flipped, it threw one of my friends out of the vehicle, and Phil was there with a broken back and, and tears flowing down his eyes, completely helpless. And I felt utterly powerless to make good on my promise to his mom. You know, we, we certainly find ourselves in scenarios much like that where we feel helpless, where we feel overwhelmed. We, we, we find ourselves in out-of-control crises in the world around us and in our world, in national news and local news. And we scroll through our newspapers, we scroll through the social media, and we, we, we see ourselves to be powerless against the economic crisis of others. We, we feel overwhelmed when that family member calls us about that dialogue diagnosis and there is not enough power not enough wise words that we can offer to someone who is hurting and someone who is in pain and we want to offer solutions we want to offer the, the 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 fixes to to the the crisis in the world around us but but we find ourselves oftentimes grasping praying god if if you would just give us enough resources, then we can cut the checks and and no one has to be back on their rent. Uh, uh, you you can just give us the the magic wise words to those who are com- to, to those who are dealing with crisis, to those who are dealing with pains, and and they would be instantly hope filled, instantly comforted. Well, we can have all of the money in our bank account, and we can just write the checks, and and we can just have all of the the medicines that can fix all of those diseases, but but yet we find ourselves just just helpless is is there anything supernatural that can confront all of the tragic courses of events in our world has 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 the church just been rendered to some nonprofit relief organization have we as 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 christians have been rendered to just soup kitchen of volunteers is there any element to our faith that can intervene in all of the world's helplessness. Before we, we try to tackle solving any of the world's problems, trying to offer a temporary solution to, to all of the crises in the world, we have to come to the realization that the core of all of our problems, the core, the underlying root to all of the world's tragedies and pain is sin. Sin is what fractures our life. It's what fractures our health. It's what sets us on a trajectory of trials and tragedies. It separates us from God. And so before we we start to tackle those those to-do lists, before we can start finding out different solutions for for these problems, the the thing we have to do first is look at the sad reality of the consequences of, of, of what sin brings to our life. I want you to think about it this way. Every person that Jesus healed on earth because of sin got sick again, and the family members had to go through that pain again. Every person because of sin that Jesus healed, raised from the dead, eventually died again, and that tragic event, the tragedy would hit that family, would hit that home, would hit that community again. So what good are healings? What good are miracles? What good is life itself if it does not have a much more greater, a much more long-lasting impact? The, these trials, these tragedies can, can have us feeling so powerless where we just remain silent. The, the Apostle Paul... The apostle Paul was an individual who who endured much, who put up with much. He put up with pain, he put up with persecution, he put up with tragedies, he put up with opposition just to tell the people of Thessalonica about Jesus. And this is what he he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says you know how badly we have been treated? At Philippi, just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. You know how bad it was for us before we got here. But, but hear this. Yet our God gave us courage to declare the good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. And, and when we got there, we still experienced this kind of opposition. So you can see we, we, we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery for we speak as messengers approved by God, to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose, Paul knew he had a purpose. Our purpose is to, watch this, please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Never once did we try to win with flattery, as as you well know, and God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we have never sought from you or anyone else as apostles of Christ. We certainly had a right to make demands of you, but instead we were like children among you. Maybe you're asking yourself, why in the world would Paul want to endure that? He willingly experienced pain, willingly put himself on the trajectory where there was tragedies around him. Why in the world would Paul want to experience such opposition. It's, it's because Paul had a different perspective on pain. Paul knew his purpose, and therefore he knew that pain also had to have a purpose. And, and Paul lived, he preached, and he wrote in such a way to encourage the church. Don't lose your urgency. Don't allow your confidence, your, 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 your urgency to fade away. For those of you that, that, that are believing this good news, the gospel, you know that the tragedies in this world, they're merely temporary. And so Paul had a perspective on tragedy because of his purpose. He knew that pain wasn't a punishment from God, but rather it was something that God allowed him to use as a platform to deliver this message. He says, look, the, the end of the time is, is, is coming and you know how this thing is gonna, gonna play out. And he, he, reads, he says this in, in chapter five says, now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So what do we do with this message? How do we respond? Do, do we just throw our hands up in the air and feel like we're just trapped in tragedy and just feel like we, we should just live silent? Or, or is there another reason? For why we are here? Is there another thing that that, that God wants to display in the midst of the devastation, in the midst of the despair? Paul lived in such a way that allowed him to stay the course despite crushing experiences in his ministry. So, what allows us to endure to the end? See, if we applied how Paul lived, it would literally transform our lives. And, And the challenge for us is this that we must live sent. We have to live sent. Paul, as he's penning out this letter to the Thessalonians, he, he, he considers himself, I am a messenger of God. This is, this is my purpose, is to please God. I am a messenger of God sent here to deliver to you this gospel, this message, the good news. And, and then later on, he, he, he calls himself an apostle of Christ. An apostle of Christ, that word apostle in the original text means one sent on a mission. He was literally a man on a mission, but he wasn't sent by just anyone. He wasn't sent by Jay. He wasn't sent by Pastor Patrick. He says, I have been sent on mission by Jesus to be a messenger with this message of good news. Therefore, I cannot be silent. I have a purpose, and my purpose is to be sent to this environment, sent to you, Thessalonica, with this mission to deliver to you this message. That means that because I have a purpose, whatever pain I, I go through doesn't remove the purpose for me. I had purpose before I got here. Just because I'm experiencing opposition, because I've got purpose, it doesn't matter if I don't experience opposition or I do experience opposition. I've got a mission, what do we all desire to, to live lives that way? Where we we look at the tragedies and we experience the pains in this world and we don't feel so utterly helpless. Like, God, did you just make some weird accident? But rather we start looking at it as like, I have a purpose for, for for me being in this environment. There is an assignment for me to accomplish right here. But oftentimes, rather than we living with a mission, we we very often we'll live lives that are meaningless, where as much as we want to have this superpower to just solve the world's problems, like we're one of the Avengers, we we end up just settling for just being average. And, And rather than living sent, We live separated. It's because of the sin nature inside all of us that literally causes us to be separated from our purpose, separated from our mission. And watch this, separated from our sender, separated from God and all things good. And it puts us on a trajectory of tragedy, trials, defeat, and forever death. But God... God loved you and I so much that he did not desire for us to to die, but rather to have a, a perfect relationship with him, a united relationship with him. And so he sends his one and only son, Jesus, to die in order to defeat death. Now, Paul said, God gave us boldness to deliver to you this good news, despite all of the opposition. Now, if Paul just said, This as his message, Jesus died so that through faith in him, you would be forgiven. Can I just tell you, that's kind of good news, but it's not the full news. This is the message that Paul lays out. This is the mission of what he lays out. This is the the, the reason why I have been sent here on mission to be a messenger. And here's our message. Here's your message. And And he writes this. He says, we believe that Jesus died, kinda good news, but check this out, here's the full news, and rose again. So we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. For the Lord himself will come, from, come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet The Lord and the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. He hears what Paul is saying Jesus died and he rose again when Jesus died. All of our shame, our guilt, our sin was removed from us and heaped on the life of Jesus. And in his death, he defeated death once and for all. And and when he rose from the grave, he defeated sin, death, and the grave so that those that would place their faith in Jesus would not just be forgiven, but would be given you an everlasting life. If you and I, we desire to live sent, it starts first with following the sender, with following our savior, Jesus. We have to receive the message. We have to receive the love of God and allow that to be our mission, to be the messengers, to share that message of the love that comes from God. When we place our faith in Jesus, the spirit of God allows us to live a life on mission, allows us to live a life that is sent. When Jesus was ascending into heaven, he was giving his disciples a mission. He was sending them into all the worlds. And, and, and he gives his followers, that's you and I, this message in Matthew chapter 29, where it says this, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's a big mission. He's saying, I want you to go into all the nations. If you and I desire to take up this mission, I guarantee you, it's not only going to change your life, it can rewrite history. It can literally transform our communities and our world. So how do we live sent? I I wanna give us some complimenting thoughts here. And the first is this, that we have to be empowered to live sent, we have to be empowered to live sent. He here's what Paul says: our gospel came to you not simply with words, check this, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us, and the Lord, in spite of severe suffering, you welcomed this message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. Can, can I just tell you, anything in our own strength is not sustainable. Anything that we can give on our own strength will not last. Anything we try to give of our own resources, it won't be good enough. Anything that we can offer on our own strength to family crisis, to, to health issues, to the problems of our entire world is not sustainable. It's not strong enough. And, and yet Paul is saying, that we didn't just deliver to you this gospel with just words here. We, we did it through power. The same kind of power that you were able to, to receive this message with, with joy and this power comes from the Holy Spirit. The, the, the thing is, God is wanting to send you and I on a mission, but this mission is not to be done alone. This mission will require some sort of Strength that is more than ourselves. And so Jesus, before sending off his disciples, he talks about the same kind of power, the same kind of Holy Spirit that Paul is referring to in Acts chapter one, verse eight. Here's what Jesus tells to his disciples. But you will receive power. There's that word again, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, until the very end's of the earth. If, if you and I want to live send, that we have we have to tap into a power supply that is much stronger than what we can provide. It has to come from the Holy Spirit. Being empowered, catch this, is essential for us to complete the mission. When Margaret and I bought our first home, now, we're, we're not like the building kind of individuals, all right? Like, it was a little bit more like a fixer-upper, and there was a lot of things to, to fix. And what I realized I needed, I needed a power drill because I was done hanging up, like, all the little lights. I was done hanging up all the little picture frames with my own strength, with the torque that I could, I could produce with my own little screwdriver. And so I felt like I was the proudest guy in the entire neighborhood when I found a power drill from a yard sale. Now before every one of you in all of our campuses starts clapping for me and are proud uh, to to call me one of your pastors, uh, this power drill was actually one of those power drills that you have to plug into the wall. It had like a, a six foot long power cord and what I did not realize was That kind of power drill did not produce the same kind of power as the power drills that have their own little ion batteries. And so here I am, I'm only able to to drill screws into the wall that is at least six feet away from a power outlet, or else I'm going to have to use an extension cord until I got myself one of those battery-powered power drills. What we often try to do is we try to complete the mission that God is sending us on with a six-foot-long power drill that is plugging into the wall. And we're wondering, how come I can't reach Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, until the very ends of the earth? And God is saying, I want to empower you with something that is much more sustainable than your own strength. And and he wants to grant us power, and what we have to do is just receive it. He says, you will receive this power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's not something that we have to earn or work for. God literally wants to give it to you because there's purpose for that power. And it's to put your life on mission. You and I, we cannot settle for a power supply that is only strong enough to reach our schools, but it's not strong enough to reach our spouse. Come on, I'm preaching now. We we don't need a, a power supply that's only strong enough to reach our coworkers, but, but not strong enough to reach our kids. We need a power supply that is strong enough and sustainable enough to, to, to transform Jerusalem, to transform Judea, Samaria, until the very ends of the earth. This mission requires us to be empowered, and we cannot do this on our own strength. And lastly is this. We live sent by being bold witnesses. We have to live sent as bold witnesses. This is what Paul writes. But you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You're all sons of the light, sons of the day, and we do not belong to the night nor to the darkness. Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, come on, um, He's saying that you have been rescued to rescue, that you're not in the darkness anymore. You're in the light. And because you are in the light, there's something for you to do. You can live sent. And so your responsibility is to bring those in the darkness in the light. If you are in the light, you are to be the light. There is a purpose for your power, and that's for you to be a witness. This is exactly what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria until the ends of the earth. There is a purpose for you being empowered, and that is to be a bold witnesses right where you are at Now, the, the dictionary defines a witness as someone who has seen something, or someone who has heard something. Uh, a witness is an individual who furnishes evidence. I, I'm going to furnish you some evidence by telling you and testifying to you what I have seen and what I have heard. It's a person that's able to say, yes, I know this is truth. Now, in common law... A witness would would put their hand on the Bible, and, and they would swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. A good witness will do exactly that and only that. A good witness will tell the truth and nothing less than the truth. Catch this. But also nothing more than the truth. When my, my wife was working for the court system, she used to swear in individuals that would testify in front of a judge, in front of a jury, and they would, they would testify what they've seen and what they've heard. Now, if they failed to testify truthfully, they could be acquitted of perjury. If, if these individuals would not testify fully of what they've seen and what they've heard, they could actually go to jail. So in this context... What does that mean for us? As a bold witness for Jesus, all we are we are we're responsible to do is to tell of what we have seen and what we have heard to be true about Jesus. That's what the disciples did. I'm going to testify to you of what I know to be true of what I've seen and what I've heard about Jesus. I'm going to I'm going to testify to you as a witness of what I've seen and what I've known to be true about the resurrection. Can can I make this really, really simple for us to apply? You don't need a Bible degree to be a bold witness. You don't need to have a certain IQ. You don't need to have a a certain age. You don't need to have a certain uh, amount of of, of letters on your little email tags to, to, to give you the authority to be a bold witness. All you have to do is to open your mouth and tell the truth about what you've seen and what you've heard heard about Jesus to anyone willing to listen to Jerusalem, to J- Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, and 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 maybe your Jerusalem are the people within the four walls of your home. And and God has put you there on purpose, with a purpose. He didn't put you with that family on accident, but he put you there on assignment that maybe you have family members who are far away from God, and God has put you there on a mission to live sent, to be a messenger of God's love, that that, that God put you there in your school, that God put you there in your cubicle, in your workplace, not on, on accident, but on assignment, because God has a purpose for you to fill you with power, so that you can be a bold, a bold witness. Now, what does that mean? It may simply just mean, can I just tell you that when I was completely depressed, here's how God gave me hope. Let me tell you what I've seen and what I've, what I've, what I've heard God do in my life. You, you know what? When I needed wisdom on that hard decision that I had to make, here's the peace that he gave me. Here's the direction that he gave me. That's, that's all that it means. And, and can, can I just take a little bit of weight off of you? You don't have to try to convince your family and your friends and your coworkers that they need Jesus. The Holy Spirit does that because there's two things at work at witnessing. There's a sharing And then there's a saving. Your job is the sharing. God's job is the saving. God won't do your job and you can't do God's job. God is good at doing his job. And so we just testify. We just be a witness. We share what we've seen and what we've heard. And we pray like crazy that God grabs a hold of their hearts and that God transforms their lives. That that word witness in the original Greek is, is translated into "martures," which which means in English is where we get the word uh, "martyr," where we 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 look at these individuals who ha, have been willing to die for their faith in Jesus, for the message of the good news about Jesus. Paul was willing willing to face opposition because his purpose wasn't the pain. His purpose was to deliver this message. If you and I are to live sent, we have to be loyal to Jesus to the end. We have to be willing to tell about what we've seen and what we've heard, regardless of the opposition. We have to be willing to to, to live on mission and see it to completion till the end. That means that if it's not the end. If, if time is no more, or if it's not that time yet, there's still time for us to live on mission. Can you imagine if you and I, we live with that kind of mindset? We live with that kind of life. We live with that kind of purpose. Imagine the transformation that we would see not only in our hearts, but in our homes. Imagine the, the, the kind of transformation that we would see in our school systems. Imagine the kind of transformation that you will see at your job if you knew that I'm sent here on mission. I've got purpose. I've got an assignment, and it's not by accident that God placed me here. I've got a mission, and I wanna see it to completion. Maybe you're here today, and perhaps you're, you're looking at your life, and you, your life may have no meaning. You feel like, man, there's, there's no purpose to my life. Can I tell you, God has made you for more. God has mission that he put inside of you. There's purpose in your life that he's planted. And the only way for us to truly live on mission is by first following our sender, following our savior, Jesus. And if you've never made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and savior, would you make that your response right now? You say, Jesus, I place my faith in you. I'm turning away from my sin and I wanna follow you. Would you put my life on mission? Would you send me to speak up about the message of the good news of what you've done in my life and the life of the entire world and the life of those around me? If that's you right now, welcome home. Thank you so much for making the best decision of your life. Would you let us know about your decision? There's gonna be a QR code that's gonna pop up on your screen there. Go ahead and scan that QR code and uh, tell us a little bit more about your decision. Our campus pastors would love to give you some next steps, celebrate your, your, your new faith journey and, 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 and tell you, hey, you know what? There, there's more people out there for, for, for you to share this good news with. And so tell your friends, tell your family about what God has done in your life this weekend. Maybe you've already made that decision to follow Jesus today. Where has God sent you? Where's your Jerusalem? Where's your Judea? Where's your Samaria? Who are the people that God desires for you to share and show his good news with today? Is it your spouse? Is it your kids? Perhaps it's your coworkers? Maybe you're, you're ready to take that step and say, hey, I wanna get involved in how LifeHouse is, is sharing and showing this good news with. I wanna live a life on mission and, and you wanna be a part of our outreach initiatives. After the service, I wanna invite you to visit us at Next Steps. Our, our, our team would love to give you some Next Steps, but your, your, your mission is to be that messenger so we cannot stay silent, but we have to be bold witnesses. All across our campuses, we just stand with us. We're gonna go into a song Called, I've witnessed it. I've witnessed God heal. I've witnessed God save. I've witnessed God, God, God restore. And if we've seen it, our responsibility now is to speak about it. Is to testify about it right now. And so maybe you're you're here today and you need some prayer. Our prayer teams are going to be on on uh, in all of our campuses in the front, and some are going to be in the, in the back. And so come and receive prayer during during the time that we sing this song would you join me as we pray? Father, I thank you so much for the power that you grant us through your Holy Spirit. I pray that those right now within the sound of my voice, God, that your Holy Spirit would would empower them to be bold witnesses right now in their homes, in their schools right now, in their workplaces, God, so that our communities would be transformed. God, would you set our, our campus right now on mission right now to be messengers of the greatest message of all in places that are in need right now. Father, I pray that you Your light would shine through us as we witness and testify of your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.